Welcome to Watchmen on the Wall, a daily outreach of Southwest Radio Ministries and SWRC.com. God is still on the throne, and prayer changes things. This week, we're looking at past influences on today's church with Carl McIntyre. Historian Bill Federer will share what every American needs to know about the Quran. And today, we begin a brand new series on Christ as seen in the tabernacles with teacher and author Dr. Bob Sanders. Friends, knowing what is happening around us is important. Knowing why it is important is vital. You can stay informed and know what is happening through the lens of Scripture with the resources found on our website, swrc.com. Over 1,000 timely books and DVDs from the top Bible prophecy teachers, swrc.com. That's swrc.com. Another great way to stay informed and biblically grounded is with our Prophetic Observer newsletter. This monthly publication gives you keen insight and helps you keep time on God's prophetic clock. Subscribe today by calling 1-800-652-1144. That's 1-800-652-1144. Staff Evangelist Josh Davis comes now and welcomes today's guest, Dr. Bob Sanders, to the microphone, ready to look at Christ as seen in the tabernacle. I'm privileged to be joined in the studio by evangelist Bob Sanders. He has written a fascinating book, Christ as Seen in the Tabernacle. It reveals the complete works of Jesus Christ through the typology of the tabernacle. So we're going to go on a fascinating tour of the tabernacle. We invite you to join us on this tour. And first we want to meet our tour guide, evangelist Bob Sanders. Welcome to Watchmen on the Wall, Brother Bob. Thank you, Brother Josh. It's a delight to be here with you. We're excited about our subject matter and what the Lord has done through this particular book and revealing Christ Himself to us as believers. And that's what we're going to get into. But first, let's learn a little bit about who you are. It's your first time on Watchmen on the Wall, and we are glad to have you with us. But tell us, what kind of ministry are you in? Well, I am right now currently involved in the ministry of evangelism. I've been there now starting my 36th year. And previous to that, I did pastor for a little while. But the Lord is gradually more and more moving me into the the preaching and also now has opened the door for the area of of the printed page in reaching uh, those that, that are interested in Bible truth. Now, Christ is seen in the tabernacle is not your first book, nor is it your last book. How many books have you written over the years? I now have written 16 particular books, all of them basically on uh, either Bible characters or a Bible subject, or what I really love is writing on a particular book of the Bible. And that's so important, and I love your approach to that. I know that you're very committed to Bible exposition and teaching through the important characters or books of the Bible. Why do you feel that that approach is so valuable in our world today? Well, you know, uh, when it when it comes to uh, even what the Word of God tells us, it tells us that we're to uh, line upon line, precept upon precept, and uh, I believe that that's the way that that the Word of God ought to be brought out. Generally, if you don't do that, you have a tendency to pick 
areas of your own favoritism or and if you're in an area of weakness in your understanding of truth, you have a tendency to just sort of glide over it or whatever it is. But when uh, you take something and march down through the scriptures, uh, it requires uh, study, it requires diligence, and uh, also uh, it's uh, meaningful and helpful to the hearer at the same time. Yeah, absolutely. And I know that that's always been a challenge to me because I always wanted to be a faithful preacher of God's Word, faithful teacher of God's Word, and yet you come up to some of those difficult passages sometimes, and it really forces you to dive deep into God's Word and to really gain an understanding of it. And if you, like you say, just cherry pick, you can sort of skate around some of the more difficult things, but if you're just doing what you do, you are forced to come face to face with some of these difficult passages of Scripture. Well, it makes you to the point that it becomes less just intellectual knowledge, but it becomes heart knowledge. In other words, it's not just the idea of, well, I believe this. Well, why do you do? Well, that's what we've always believed. But but when you get into the Word of God and you find it to be solid, be true, then uh, it's a, it becomes a solid foundation for you to actually build the Christian life on. And that's what it's all about is is building your life as a child of God upon the truth of the Word of God led by the Holy Spirit of God. Amen. And that's so well said. And that's something that we really need to take to heart because God's Word wasn't given just for information, but He gave it to transform us from the inside out. And if we just learn these things in our head, but it doesn't sink into our heart, we've missed the whole point of Bible study to begin with. So thank you for saying that. And uh, as you wrote this book, you told a unique story about how it was written. Can you tell us how this book began in Africa? Well, I had the opportunity. I was preaching in a preacher's fellowship in the, in the state of West Virginia. I'd been invited to come and preach to the preachers. And while I was there, I met a veteran missionary that had been in the country of Tanzania for at least over 10 years. And he had started several churches, but... The thing that really spoke to my heart was that he had started a Bible college called Lake Victoria Bible College. And he began to realize that my love for truth, my love for exposition. And uh, he, he just casually said, well, when are you going to come and teach? I really sort of took it lightheartedly for a little bit. But the more I thought about it, the Lord began to confirm in my heart that that was a door of opportunity for me. And so uh, we went over literally to Tanzania, and in two particular locations, uh, we went, we decided that what I would do is I would preach and teach on the tabernacle and emphasizing Christ as he is seen through that particular subject or that particular thing. And so we had the opportunity to go. I did all the uh, study, all the, the, the writing, all the, the layout work. And then when I got back, several of the folks that had helped me financially get over there, I wanted to, to show them what we'd done. And so in addition to some pictures I showed, I sent them the material, the syllabuses and everything. And there was an immediate response that said, you know, hey, they don't need just this. We need this. And so mm. they encouraged me to put it into book form. And out of that particular trip, that teaching for over a week and those Oh, oh, and that Bible college, this is how that book came together. Now, that's an amazing story. And I love the truth that's in this book. As I read through it myself, my heart was 
touched by the word of God and seeing God's truth in a way that I had not considered it. I've heard some of this before, but you really put the whole picture together in a very unique way. And I thought it was very well done. A careful study of the tabernacle with an emphasis on Christ Jesus as seen as the fulfillment of what you consider to be, in one respect, prophetic scriptures. When I was going through some of my own personal studies and listening to Bible teachers, this is going back some 10, 15 plus years ago. Someone that I highly respected, looked up to, was somewhat of a mentor to me, an encourager to me. He made a passing comment that really struck me the wrong way. Because as we were talking about earlier, I believe that all of God's Word is given to us and it's very important for us. But the comment he made was that, well, when he gets to the end of the book of Exodus and it begins to talk about the tabernacle and other places in Scripture where it talks about the structure, the building, the furniture of the tabernacle, he just skips over those whole chapters and never gave it a second thought and never really considered it because he said that was written for them at that time, it has no bearing on us today. But as I began to read through your book, I began to see the typology that's there. And I realized that he couldn't have been more wrong with his approach. And you show how the tabernacle is both physical and prophetic. And can you explain this approach to studying the tabernacle? Well, as I thought about the uh, approach, both being physical and prophetic, when one studies the tabernacle and looks at it from those perspectives, both of them begin to bring out the price tag of sin and the means with which God will deal with it. In other words, the physical aspect of it right then, as they worked and practiced and made offerings in the tabernacle, right then physically they were dealing with sin. But also God, by being the designer of the tabernacle, give us a prophetic picture of how God ultimately one day through the person of the Lord Jesus Christ himself would come and take care of sin forever for all of eternity. In other words, when Jesus came and died on the cross and there as he bowed his head and said to tell us it is finished, we see that he truly was the Lamb of God that would not just back up or hold off but he was the Lamb of God that would ultimately take away the sin of the world. We're visiting with evangelist Bob Sanders and discussing his powerful book, Christ as Seen in the Tabernacle. And we encourage you to pick up a copy of this book by reaching out to our ministry, 1-800-652-1144. Visit us online at swrc.com. And there are several powerful chapters as he walks through the tabernacle in general, the materials of the tabernacle, the basic structure of the tabernacle. And then he gets into the individual pieces, the brazen altar, the laver, the structure of the courtyard, the candlestick, the table of showbread, the altar of incense, the Ark of the Covenant, the mercy seat, and a lot more information. Now, uh, you make a, a great point when you talk about typology. I've seen some people take typology and, and run with it and then there's other people who ignore it altogether. Uh, what's, what's the danger in typology? What's the proper approach to using typology when it comes to understanding Scripture? 
Well, I think you made a, a good point just a moment ago, Brother Josh, when you emphasize that there are the two dangers. One of them is extreme, and one of them is totally neglect. In other words, as I studied and read through different authors and things like that studying, they were folks that just made everything a type. And then there was others that were like what you said, the gentleman that totally neglected it. But the truth of the matter is, when we come to the area of typology, you have to stay true to the Word of God and lean heavily upon the truth of the Word of God and also the Holy Spirit. In other words, uh, the, the Lord said that when the Holy Spirit of truth would come, that He would lead you and guide you unto all truth. He said that he would not speak of himself, uh, but whatsoever things that we had heard, uh, he will he will show them unto us. And he and he and there's a little phrase here: the things to come. And so, as you pointed out, things that's so exciting to me is when you think about the area of prophecy. A lot of people don't think about it, but really, the tabernacle in itself is really a picture of prophecy. And when we come over to the New Testament. We can literally see it fulfilled in the person of the Lord Jesus Christ as he came, lived, worked, and dwelt, and gave himself a ransom for sin and settled the sin debt. Well, let's get into some of the particulars of the book, and let's take this wonderful tour of the tabernacle. Now, what are some of the beautiful lessons that we can learn from the materials of the tabernacle? There's several lessons that we could learn, and... Uh, one of them is uh, what, what we call the kingdoms, uh, like the animal kingdom and the mineral kingdom, the, the plant kingdom. And it's uh, when God uh, gave the details for, the, for the, the tabernacle, he used every kingdom that was there. They would be skin, there would be gold, there would be silver, there'd be stones, then there would be linen, there would be oil, there would be spices. And uh, then when you begin to look at these different areas, like the gold, the silver, and the brass. They speak of different areas of, of our Lord and the fact of His deity and also His payment for redemption and also the responsibility of His death in meeting the needs of, of mankind in sin. And then the, the beautiful colors that are there. There's blue and purple and scarlet. And, and then the, He talks about the different spices that, that are there. They, they represent the, the fragrance of Christ before of the Heavenly Father. And then, then not only that, but when you get into the tabernacle, there's all the, the different numbers. There's the, there's the sevens. There's the, the different, there's the threes. There's the different aspects. And, and so when you come to the materials that, that God chooses to put in this tabernacle, every one of them have a beautiful rep representation and they point forward to our, our lovely Lord, the Lord Jesus Christ himself. Mm-hmm. Well, one of the things I found fascinating as I was reading through the book was the blue and the purple and the scarlet. And correct me if I'm wrong, but I think you said that it's always mentioned in that particular order every time that it comes up when talking about the tabernacle. Right, right. It's mentioned in that order. And I think maybe some of the reason it is to that, that, that blue is a, a heavenly color and it's to, to reveal Christ as, as the, the heavenly man or the spiritual man that's come. And then when he gets into the purple, it's a, it's a picture of him being the king of kings and, and the Lord of lords. And then, then uh, the, the scarlet is a picture of the sacrificial Christ, of how that he suffered and, and the uh, sacrifice 
of the blood that he made for us that was necessary to take care of without the shedding of blood. There is no remission of sin. And as you get into chapter three of the book, you begin to talk about the basic structure of the tabernacle. And there's some powerful pictures of Christ just in the basic structure of the tabernacle. Can you explain some of those powerful lessons for us? As we begin to read and study as God gives us the details of the building of the tabernacle, one of the things that, that's exciting is that as we find out that, that when we begin to hear about the details of the, of the tabernacle, God gives the details moving from the inward to the outward. In other words, uh, he wants us to understand that this move is God approaching man with redemption, God making a way for man to come to him. In other words, it doesn't start at the outward, but it starts in the very holy of holies, mm. and then the holy place, and then out in the courtyard, and ultimately there to the gate to whereby man can make his approach. But when it's set up, we see that, that not only do we see how the, the details are given, but we see its location. In other words, the, the, the tabernacle is set up right in the very center or the heart of the camp of the children of Israel. And what it is to do is to manifest the presence of God. God wants to be and dwell in the midst of his people. In other words, he, he, he does not desire to be out or, or, or whatever, but there in the very presence of, of uh, the people, and then when, when you begin to see them encamping there, he gives details of how many tribes are on this side and have this side and this side and this side. And if we could look down as an aerial picture of, of the way that it's set up, we see the perfect form of a cross mm. in how that the tabernacle is set up. And so we see it. And then, then when we, we begin to examine it, we realize that, that the basic layout is that there is a a linen fence that goes all the way around that, that particular tabernacle. It's, it's 50 cubits by 100 cubits, and it surrounds the tabernacle proper. And it's a picture of that white linen fence. is a picture of the righteousness of God that must be satisfied before man can ever approach him. Mm. And then the exciting part, on one side and only one side, there is a gate on the eastern side of that courtyard, and it's the only way in. You can walk on the south side, the north side, the west side. There's no way to get in. But when you come around on the east side where the first light of dawn begins to cast its light upon that tabernacle, there in the middle of that linen fence is a doorway, is a gate, and it, it's easily recognized. It has that blue, that's that scarlet, that purple, and it's easily recognized. And may I say, just like that one entrance, the Lord Jesus Christ, Jesus said, no man cometh unto the Father but my me. He is the only way into the presence of God himself. Amen. That's a, such a powerful picture that we see in the tabernacle. We are joined by evangelist Bob Sanders discussing his wonderful teaching in the book, Christ as Seen in the Tabernacle. You can reach our ministry at 1-800-652-1144 or visit us online at swrc.com. And Brother Bob, in closing today, let's just briefly speak about the brazen altar. 
And we're going to continue this tour tomorrow, friends, so be sure you tune in. We're going to see some other pieces and parts of the tabernacle, and it's going to be wonderful, so we encourage you to tune in. But let's touch briefly on the brazen altar. It was the first thing that worshipers would see when they entered into the tabernacle. What's the significance of this altar? As you said, Brother Josh, when one had passed through the gate and had now entered in, the very first thing that they would see was this, this brazen altar. And the thing that, that, that we need to recognize about this brazen altar is that it was the largest piece of furniture in the tabernacle itself. Matter of fact, as you consider the dimensions, it's five cubits by five cubits by three cubits, which would roughly be somewhere around seven and a half feet by seven and a half feet by four and a half feet tall. And literally, the worshiper, as you would call it, when he begins to approach, he literally probably most likely could see nothing else within the tabernacle but that, but that brazen altar that was there. And the significance of that is, is that we need to understand that our approach can be by no other way than by the sacrifice of the Lord Jesus Christ himself. In other words, the first thing, no matter who you are, the first thing that we must see is Jesus is the only way. It's not our righteousness. It's not anything we can do. It's not anything that we can contribute. But that altar is a picture of the complete sacrifice of the Lord Jesus Christ. And as you look at it, the materials that, that it's made out of, it is made of, of shittim wood, which pictures for us the, the humanity of Christ. But it's overlaid with, with brass, which is a picture of the divine power of the Lord Jesus Christ to withstand the fury of God's wrath. In other words, uh, uh, he had to be able to endure, and he is the only one that could endure the wrath of a holy God and still satisfy that God. I'm glad to know that today, that because of the complete and finished work of Christ, I now have access into the holy place, into the holy of holies, and none, no other individual, no other individual can make that approach unless they come by way of the Lord Jesus Christ. The sacrifice that's being made had to be made by faith. In other words, it's the faith of the believer accepting the forgiveness of God that God offers on that altar of sacrifice. Amen. We're going to pick up this tour tomorrow, friends, so we encourage you tune in again as we'll be back with Evangelist Bob Sanders to explore some more wonderful teaching out of his powerful book, Christ as Seen in the Tabernacle. We'll continue our look at Christ as Seen in the Tabernacle with Bob Sanders on tomorrow's program. Christ as Seen in the Tabernacle is today's featured resource. In Christ, we not only have forgiveness from God, but now have access to fellowship with God, all through Christ's death on the cross. In this study, the New Testament truth will be unveiled in the Old Testament type, the Tabernacles. The book, Christ as Seen in the Tabernacle, by Dr. Bob Sanders is available today. Call 1-800-652-1144. That's 1-800-652-1144. Or you can order online, swrc.com. Christ as Seen in the Tabernacle is an excellent book for Sunday school, small group Bible studies, homeschoolers. There's just so many places this book fits in. 
Order Christ as Seen in the Tabernacle. 1-800-652-1144. That's 1-800-652-1144. Greg Patton, one of our featured speakers at the upcoming Columbus, Ohio Prophecy Conference, taking place October 26th through the 28th, he's here with his latest look at living in today's world. Well, this short story I just had to share a part of living in today's world. I was in Detroit, Michigan recently with a a family that I've been associated with for years. They have supported us in our early days of evangelism. I hadn't seen them for quite a while, making conversation about their son. He'd had heart problems, and the word was a heart transplant. I asked, how is your son with his heart? And they said, which one? And I said, the one for the heart transplant. And they said, well, both of them were there. I said, wait a minute, I, maybe I misunderstood. And they said, you must have. Here's a great story, Greg. Both of our sons had heart failure. My one son refused to get right with God. He went ahead and, and he's surviving. He had the heart transplant. The other son repented and begged God for help with his heart problem. We prayed accordingly going to a major medical facility there in the Detroit area, were they surprised? He was being prepped, going through all the preliminary procedures for a heart transplant, when guess what? They discovered his heart was perfect. Absolutely no problems. Previously, so bad that he was going to have to have a heart transplant. Do you believe in miracles, my friend? The head of that facility just happens to be a Christian. So what is the explanation? As she talked with this family, they said, well, we can't put down on paper. I mean, we've gone through all the steps here. Legally, we have to say what happened for this transplant. <laughs> this, is, this is pretty unbelievable. Do you know they actually have created a new medical term used worldwide for what happened here? Since they couldn't say that God healed his heart and made it perfect again, this is the new medical terminology, heart failure remission. Yes, indeed, you and I serve a miracle-working God. Oh, my friend, we serve a miracle-working God. We need to realize that more often and just talk to him. Bring your request to him, my friend, and he will answer accordingly. What a God you and I serve. Fantastic story. I'm living in today's world. It's two for one. Miracle working God that we serve. Christ as Seen in the Tabernacle by Dr. Bob Sanders is available today when you call 1-800-652-1144. That's 1-800-652-1144. One one four four. Christ is Seen in the Tabernacle is an excellent book for Sunday schools, small group Bible studies, homeschoolers. There are just so many places that this book fits in. Order Christ is Seen in the Tabernacle today. 1-800-652-1144. Dr. Bob Sanders continues his look at Christ as Seen in the Tabernacle on tomorrow's program. Be sure to tune in on your favorite radio station, or by subscribing to our daily Watchman on the Wall podcast. Watchman on the Wall is a production of Southwest Radio Ministries and has been supported for over 90 years by faithful listeners like you. Visit 
swrc.com.